Welcome to the Health and High Performance Podcast with your host, Coach Peter. This podcast is for busy modern humans who want to maximize their business and financial success and live in a healthy body that is strong, looks the part, and performs optimally both mentally and physically. In each episode, I share bite-sized health, fitness, and human performance lessons to help you live your best life. So, put on your headphones, head out of the door, and start stepping into your potential. The topic of today's episode comes from the world of fitness and training. If you want to build muscle, strength, and fitness, but you also care about your movement capabilities, as well as your long-term health and your long-term joint health, you are going to absolutely love today's podcast. I want to talk to you about the fact that there are no mandatory exercises and not everyone should perform gym exercises in the same way. Exercises are simply tools that allow us to train the different movement patterns that have, are available to us at the gym. When you choose the right exercise and you set yourself up correctly for your own individual anatomy and competency levels, your chances of success with exercise go up exponentially and the chances of negative side effects go down dramatically. That's right, there are secondary consequences to everything, even to resistance training. And before we can talk about specifically about those, we are first going to have to lay down some foundations and talk about the available movement patterns. What can we actually train at the gym? So we have 10 trainable movement patterns, 10 trainable ways of, you know, what movement patterns can we move in when we lift weights? The first pattern is the knee dominant movement pattern. Exercises like squats, split squats, step ups, leg presses, these are all knee dominant exercises. Then we have our hip dominant exercises, which are our hip hinge movements, our deadlift variations or a 45 degree hip extension, for example. Then we have our horizontal pulling exercises, which would include any of your rowing variations done in the horizontal plane. So that's the from forwards to backwards plane. Then we also have a horizontal pushing exercises, which would include bench presses and push-ups. Then we have our vertical pulling, which would be your lat pull down and your pull up variations. Next, we have vertical push, which would be your overhead pressing variations. These six movement patterns are our main movement patterns and they involve multiple joints at the same time. When you do all these movement patterns, when you do these exercises, you're using many joints at the same time. And these are so-called compound exercises. Compound exercises recruit a ton of musculature around the body at the same time. And this makes them a fantastic investment of your valuable resistance training time. Beyond these main movement patterns, we also have core exercises, we can challenge the position of your uh, rib cage. And we also have core exercises where we can challenge the position of your pelvis. We also have single joint movements. So we have isolation exercise here. So we have things like arm training that only involves the movement of the elbow that lives on, under here. Then we also have calf raises. So that only involves the movement of the ankle. And we also have things like lateral raises and leg extension. I will describe them as single joint movements and they are these isolation exercises. The final movement pattern is breathing and believe it or not, but this one is often completely overlooked, which is a huge mistake because how you move air influences the organization of your skeleton and the organization of your skeleton influences your ability to perform any of these other trainable movement patterns. You got to understand that muscles are slaves to your skeleton. 
So if your joints and if your skeleton is not in the right shape, guess what? You're not going to be recruiting the muscles that you're trying to train. There is no amount of muscle activation or Jedi mind trick, mind muscle connection thing that you can do. If your skeleton is not in the right shape, ah, you are not going to recruit the muscles that you're trying to train. Instead, you're going to be recruiting muscles that you're not trying to train at that point in time. Of course, we also have other movement patterns that we can train at the gym. You know, you can do locomotion. That's your running mechanics drills, your sprint drills. We can throw objects. We can jump. We can do triple extension. So that's your Olympic lift variations. And we can do change of direction drills. These are very athletic patterns. However, what I'm saying here is that if you're a corporate athlete, if you're part of the general public, you should invest the most of your valuable lifting time, your valuable gym time to the main six movement patterns. You should focus on the compound exercises. So you should do knee dominant patterns, hip dominant patterns, horizontal push and pull, vertical push and pull. And then if you have time left, then you can do some arm training, calf training, core training, breathing exercises. So now that we've laid down the foundation here, we've really laid out the foundation for the discussion about the fact that there are no mandatory exercises. Exercises are simply tools to train the before mentioned movement patterns. And not everyone has to train these movement patterns and not everyone should train these movement patterns in the same way. One of the founding principles of my training model is the mindset of all gain, no pain. I want to provide my clients and anyone who follows my training programs as many benefits as possible while minimizing the amount of secondary negative consequences. When it comes to resistance training, the benefits of resistance training include improved muscle size and strength, improved connective tissue and joint strength and health, improved cardiorespiratory fitness, improved movement capabilities in terms of how much available range of motion do you have in your shoulders and your hips. And these are great things. We want to maximize these. The secondary consequence of resistance training include delayed onset muscle soreness, things like DOMS. I mean, that's called DOMS. And Obviously, some level of DOMS are part of the process and they should be expected. This is the soreness that you experience after training and some level of soreness is totally okay and it should be expected with proper training. However, when you get to a point when you can't walk and you're little, you can't go down the stairs or you can't sit down on the toilet. Now, this is a negative secondary consequence and this is unnecessary and this is I don't want to provide that to my clients any connective tissue joint or joint pain or discomfort and any reductions in joint ranges of motion. These are also things that come along for the ride with resistance training to some degree and we want to minimize them as much as possible. So if my goal is to give my clients as many benefits as possible while minimizing the negatives as much as possible, my exercise selection as well as how do I set my clients up for these exercises it really has to be on point. When you can choose the correct exercise and you set yourself up in the right positions, you know, you have your skeleton in the right shape. When you hold the weight in the right place, yeah, what, what position are your ankles in? Are your, what position are your hands? Or what position are your shoulders in? When you get these things right for your individual anatomy, you can really set yourself up for success. Or if you don't get them right, you can really set yourself up for failure even before you started the exercise. And guess what, when your setup is right, the execution of the movement is intuitive and it requires very little extra cueing 
and coaching. It just happens automatically. You don't need to think. You can just focus on working hard. The movement looks great. It feels awesome. And the chances are that you are going to be recruiting the target muscles to a very high degree. And you are not going to recruit the unwanted muscles or any other muscles at all. That is the goal. On the flip side, if you choose the wrong exercise, or you set yourself up in the wrong way for the structure of your body and your movement capabilities, now chances are that the execution of the movement is going to feel like writing your name with your non-dominant hand. It feels foreign, it feels like it's someone else's hand, and chances are that the exercise is not going to look great and it's not going to feel great either. And your chances of recruiting the muscles that you're actually trying to train is going to be very low. And your chances of recruiting unwanted muscles is going to be very high. So this is, we don't want that. And the really important thing to realize here is that humans come in very different shapes and sizes. And what might be a perfect exercise, my individual anatomy, it might be a total disaster for someone else and for you, for example. This is why it's totally insane to expect that everyone can or that everyone should perform the resistance training exercises in the same way. To give you a specific example, let's talk about squatting for a moment. As we've discussed, squats, squats live inside the knee dominant movement pattern. And to train this movement pattern, we have many options available to us. So we have free weight squats, we have split squats, we've got step ups, we have machine squats, we even have leg presses. Out of all these knee dominant exercise choices, I'm asking you, which one is the one that you see performed the most often at gyms around the world? Which exercise? Back squats. Why? Why does everyone back squat? Well, because you have to back squat, right? Everyone else back squats. So surely you have to back squat. No. No, that answer is not good enough, especially because back squats in particular rarely fit the description of all gain, no pain approach for the corporate athletes, the general public. The other thing is that it really doesn't make sense from a time management perspective. And this is because when you back squat and the weight is on your back, the movement actually often looks very similar to a hip hinge movement. So. The hip hinge is the movement pattern where we push the hips back and there is very little knee bending. And when the hips move back in a hinge pattern, the hamstrings, the glutes, the lower back, the upper back muscles, they're all recruited to a very, very high degree. And this is not a bad thing. This is a fantastic thing. However, because you already perform other hip dominant exercise in your training program, you know, you probably have a deadly variation in there, or you should have a deadly variation in there, you probably do some kind of a leg curl exercise for your hamstrings, then the question is that why on earth would you turn your opportunity to actually train the angles and the knees and the knee dominant pattern? Why would you turn that into another hip dominant exercise? That is the whole thing. And even though it might look, you know, it might look different to have a bar on your back when you back squat, and versus then when you hold a bar in your hands when you're doing a deadly variation. However, when you really get down to it, and you really look at the positions of the pelvic bones, and you look at what is the pelvis doing? How is it moving? And when you compare that with the back squat, where the hips are moving very far back, and with the deadlift, where the hips also travel very far back, 
you find that they're actually pretty much the same thing and you just end up deadlifting twice and you kind of never actually squatting. So once again, for a general population, corporate athletes, time management is a big, big thing. So why would you deadlift twice when you can just deadlift once, do it properly, and then squat once and do it properly? And once again, this doesn't mean that back squats are a bad exercise because they can really help a lot of people to become better force producers. However, in the context of general public corporate athlete resistance training, when available training time is already limited, it just doesn't make sense to hinge when you squat. Save your hinges for your deadlift variations and keep your squatting variations as near dominant as possible. And this is the divide and conquer approach that has been coined by Dr. Pat Davidson, who's an absolute monster in the world of strength and conditioning and biomechanics based training. I should I would recommend you to check him out. The second reason that back squats are often a terrible investment of training time for the general public is that 99 times out of 100, you are going to be able to use much more range of motion with a front loaded squat, especially if you also elevate your heels. When you use more range of motion, this is obviously much better for your joints and your connective tissues. You're taking your ankles and your knees through their full range of motion, but you can also use less external load and still get a tremendous stimulus for your lower body muscles because now you're moving the weight for a longer distance. Wait, what did you say? Less external load? Yeah, it's a good thing. I get it that a lot of people have a hard time to reconcile with this, but more weight is not necessarily better when it comes to resistance training. Let me give you an example. Most of the corporate athlete general population clients that I train, they want to build muscle, lose fat, move better, become fitter. They want to feel amazing, they want to feel awesome. They do not want to feel beat up and, you know, trashed after our training sessions. They don't want to feel any joint pain. They don't want to have their rib cage so stiff that they can't even turn to wipe their butt. Their body is already under a ton of stress from other areas of their life and they have other things to do. The point of the training is that we enhance their life. We, The training that they do with me is supposed to enhance every other aspect of their life, not take away from it. And what if, what would I do if I got them in? Hey, today we're, we're just gonna back squat. We're gonna go super heavy. We're absolutely gonna you know trash your skeleton, and you're gonna walk away. You're gonna feel that for the rest of the day. That is not a good approach. It's not a good approach to get these people feeling tons of the secondary consequence only because my ego wanted them to squat heavy. No, it's not about my ego. It's not about their ego. It's about choosing the best variation, the best tool for their goals. And this is why it's an absolute no brainer to choose variations that maximize range of motion and minimize external load, and therefore minimize the unnecessary stress on their system and maximize the potential benefits that we're after. Don't get me wrong, by the way, you should still train very hard, you should still focus on progressively lifting more weight and doing more reps and doing more sets with a given weight. But the point is that you're, if you're only focusing on how much weight is on the bar, you are missing the picture and you're forgetting about the distance, the distance absolutely matters, how far do you lift that weight. And when you choose exercises that give you 
what you want and minimal amounts of what you don't want guess what now you're able to do more reps and more sets and more overall training volume and get much better results from your training at this point someone might be thinking but wait a minute but what about powerlifters what about you know bodybuilders they all back squat and they some of them back squat very heavy weights and they're very strong and they often have very developed legs well of course you have to back squat if you're a powerlifter. It is literally part of the sport. You have to back squat, you have to bench press, you have to deadlift from the ground. It just doesn't mean that everyone else has to do the same thing, you know? And in the context of powerlifting, where the goal is to move as much weight as possible, why would you move it for any extra distance? Because if you move it for longer distance, you're going to use less load. It makes sense to use as little range of motion as possible to, you know, get a white light at the competition and maximize the weight. Don't lift for it for any longer than you have to. And But obviously I know for a fact that powerlifters and especially the smart ones, they absolutely use full range of motion squats in a part of their training programming as their accessory movements, at least at some part of their yearly training plan. And secondly, what I'm saying here is that this has nothing to do with professional bodybuilding either. General population humans are not bodybuilders, they're not powerlifters, they should not train like ones. And if this is resonating with you, the earlier you can reconcile with this fact and modify your excess selection and your program to suit your individual biomechanics and goals, the better it is for your training results in the short and the long term and especially your long term health. So to end this random back squatting, then what should you do instead? You know, what if you don't want to back squat, what should you do instead? Well, next time you're going to train a knee dominant exercise, give this a shot. Elevate your heels on a plate or on a ramp if you have one. Hold a kettlebell in front of your body. This is known as the goblet squat. Hold it from the horns of the kettlebell so that your palms are facing you. And keep your heels planted on the platform, on the on the ramp or on the plates even though you have elevated your heels keep them planted don't let yourself fall onto your tippy toes when you squat you're going to have your sternum tall you're going to soften your knees you're going to bring your tail underneath you by pulling the back pockets down towards the back of the knees now we've got your skeleton in a really really nice shape and i want you to maintain that shape of the skeleton i want you to push your knees forward and i want you to move straight down as if you're in an elevator shaft it's not an escalator you're in an elevator shaft you're going to move nice and slow you're going to try to go all the way down without butt winking which occurs if you go too low for your competency levels and your lower back kind of rounds underneath you and if you don't know what that is and if you have a hard time visualizing this whole thing i would recommend you to jump on my youtube channel at coach Butter and check out the video I is titled how to fix butt winking during squats it can really help a lot and drive this point to home and when you can really see it visually what I'm talking about so give this a shot and if you do it correctly you're gonna feel a ton of quads ton of glutes ton of abs this is fantastic these are exactly the muscles that we want you to feel when you train your legs and you shouldn't feel any lower back activity when you train your legs at all this goblet squat exercise is a fantastic exercise to learn how to squat like this. However, the limitation of it is that your ability to load it and load your legs is limited by your ability to hold a kettlebell in front of your body. So when you get to the point when you can't hold a heavier kettlebell in your hands anymore, now you're ready to move into a zercher squat, front squat, 
or safety bar squat. These are all front-loaded squats that get you exactly what you want and you can load them to a much higher degree. And the same thought process we've just done with the squatting thing and the knee dominant pattern, we should apply this same thought process to all the other resistance training movement patterns as well. And once again, there are no mandatory exercises. Exercises are tools to allow you to train the main resistance movement patterns. Not everyone should bench press in the same way, not everyone should overhead press in the same way, not everyone should hip hinge in the same way or pull in the same way. You get the point. And you're going to get much more of what you want and much less of what you don't want if you can choose exercises and set yourself up for those exercises in a way that suits your specific anatomy and goals. So if you've listened to this and this is resonating you with you, you're nodding your head, but you're still a little bit unsure, I don't really know how to apply this to my own training. Well, I've got some good news for you because I'm going to be launching an online exercise library and ongoing training programming that are specifically tailored for the corporate athlete, for the general public. If you want to build muscle, lose fat, improve your aerobic fitness, improve your movement capabilities and give yourself the best chances of staying strong and mobile well into the future, this program is tailored specifically to you. This program is not for powerlifters. This program is not for bodybuilders. Neither is this a rehabilitation program. No, this is an all gain, no pain approach to maximize your valuable training time. And this approach is rooted in the scientific principles of strength and conditioning training and more than six years of trial and error with general population personal training clientele. To stay updated on that, make sure you head over to coachputer.com and you sign up to the newsletter. By doing so, you will also unlock your free access to a six-video introductory course to my whole person approach to optimizing human cognitive and physical performance from the inside out and the outside in. This is the ultimate way to improve your work performance and tolerate more stress. You can also send me a direct message on Instagram at coachputer and let me know that you're interested. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. It would help me a ton if you left me a rating and review and share this episode with at least one friend, family member or a colleague who also needs to hear this message. You can find me on Instagram at CoachBooter or if you haven't already, head over there and tap the follow button to get notified as I post daily actionable health, fitness and performance information. Thanks for listening. This is Coach Buter. Let's do this.